0: Many of you are wondering why we have mirrors up here. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. Hopefully, we'll all make sense in a little bit. But as we get started this morning, I just want to pray as we just start the, the preaching of the word. So, Lord, we just thank you for, again, this opportunity to get together. We thank you that we have this time that we can just bind together as a body of believers. And, Lord, we just pray that the word that you want to be spoken today would be brought forth. I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would speak to each one of our hearts in in whatever way we need to hear it today. And I pray that um, you would just use me uh, as your mouthpiece today. Let it make sense. And let us just walk out of here with a a new perspective, a renewed uh, sight of who you are today. We thank you for what you've already done here today. And we just glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So have you ever had a thought or idea that's constantly on your mind? One that you just can't seem to escape, right? It seems like no matter where you are, it keeps coming up, right? It's, it's one of those things that randomly comes up in conversations, right? It just somehow it always gets worked in and you're kind of, what's going on with that? Or they start talking about it on the radio. You're like, man, I can't escape this. No matter where you go. It's kind of like when you buy a new car, right? And all of a sudden you notice all the other cars that are like that. You're like, I've not seen this car before. This is really amazing. And then they're everywhere. Like that special lime green color that you thought was unique to you and your car, you you see all over the place, right? You you all of a sudden see it at the gas station, or you see it all over at Costco, or some of us, we might pass 10 of them on our way to work. Some might be 25 or more, but we see that car all of a sudden all at the same time. It's everywhere you go. Well, over the last few months, I've kind of had this this thing happen to me, where I've had this idea, this concept that keeps coming back, and it, it keep, keeps getting revisited. And after a while, you think, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me, right? right. You have those moments like that, and and I've heard it. As several preachers have talked about it, both here um, at the pulpit or at different conferences and, and different things that I've been listening to, it comes up in different books that I read, um, or I'll read God's word and there's that word again, and I'd come across it even on Facebook or Twitter, like I can't get away from it, right? And so something is, is being said to me, and I think it's something that's important for all of us as well. And it's this idea of abiding in God's presence, this idea that we need to spend time with him more and more, that I need to make an effort to grow close to God. So along with this, like I said, so abiding is the concept, but I keep getting these verses that come up, and people are continuing to use them in their in their sermons, or I'm reading it in in books. And it's John 15. So I want you to turn there first um, in your Bibles. John 15. We're going to start there. We're going to look at a few different verses. Um, If you don't have a Bible and you need one, there should be one um, in the row in front of you on one of the trays. Um, Or if you have, you know, the e-version on your phone or tablet or anything like that, that works as well. But John 15, and Jesus is talking about this concept of abiding in Christ, and it's something that I keep coming across. And so Jesus talks about abiding with Christ, and then he gives some brief reasons for it. Why why would you do that? So John 15, 4 says this: Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, if you're like me, you understand this on some level. You get this idea as you read this and you think, okay, Jesus wants me to abide in him. And when I do that, he's going to abide in me, right? And so I see that I need to stay connected to Jesus. I see that when I do that, His fruit will grow and be evident in my life. And the opposite is also true that if I don't abide with Him, if I don't stay connected to Him, I really can't do anything for Him or for the kingdom of God. Because I don't have His life giving, His life sustaining nutrition coming and flowing into me, right? So I can abide in him and be fed and be strengthened. Or I can be apart from him. But when that happens, I begin to wither away and become powerless. So intuitively, I understand the concept of abiding with Christ. But have you ever stepped back and said, how do I do that? What does that really mean? How do I go about abiding in Christ? Because I understand what abide means. It means to dwell, it means to remain, it means to stay or or be connected, but in some ways it's kind of this like ethereal notion, this thing that, well, how do I do that? How do I abide in Christ? And in a sense, we kind of can ask ourselves, what do I need to do to abide in Christ? And oftentimes I think, well, that's kind of counterintuitive. When it comes to Christ, I shouldn't have to do anything to abide in Christ. But I think there are times that we have to purpose in our hearts to do specific things. So while I've heard about this idea, abide in me, or remain in me and I will remain in you, sometimes I need refreshers. Pastor Suzanne said this earlier. You know, Sometimes we just need those reminders because we forget at times. And sometimes we need those things to help us to move further in our walk with Christ. So I've recently started to go through a book called The Live Dead Journal. And this concept came right away on day one. <laughs> I was like, really? You know. So missionary Dick Brogdon writes about abiding in Jesus and what it does for us. And here's what he says. He says, God has all resources. As we abide in Jesus, he pours himself into us. And when we are full of Jesus, his spirit, his love, this fullness affects our spirits. It lifes us. It keeps us sweet and simple. From there, we bless others near us. And from there, we bless the world. So a little later, he explains it even further. And he goes on to say, so while we will all do this differently, the essentials are time in God's word, the Bible, and in God's presence, prayer. The specifics are up to you. How you abide in Christ are up to you. And he says, there will be many variables. There will be seasons of life. But together, we declare that above all else, we value Jesus. So when we abide in him, we're saying, I'm making that an important part of my life. So as he notes that when we abide in Christ, we declare that above all else, We value Jesus. We place value on who Jesus is and what he has done for us and in us. And we place value on what Jesus is still speaking to each one of us today. We say, I know that you have things that you are wanting me to do, you are wanting me to fulfill, you are calling me to action about. And this is where we're going to focus our attention a little bit today, is this idea of spending time in God's word. And I think how powerful it is, how basic it is, and some of you may say, Pastor Mitch, I've heard about reading the Word of God since I was a believer. But I'm hoping that today it's not going to be so much about we need the daily discipline of it and and that kind of thing, but I want us to see the importance of it and how it shapes our entire lives. And as we will do that as a, a method or a discipline of Of abiding in christ we're going to see god doing some great things in us and then hopefully as missionary brogman said through us to the world around us so now i want you to turn in your bibles to james chapter one okay because again my hope and my prayer for us today is that we will walk out of here with a renewed passion for god's word okay so As you go to James chapter one, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I have had many times in my life where I don't really seem to get anything out of my Bible reading. I read it, but it doesn't seem to really speak to me. I don't have where I feel like I'm getting anything. Maybe sometimes it's because I'm getting up too early and I'm trying to read then and maybe I need to do other things. Right, We try to find a time, but sometimes we need to be purposeful and we need to be attentive in in this process. I'm wanting to hear from God, but maybe my heart and mind are just not into into it at that point. So at times we need a fresh outlook on spending time with God's Word. So James chapter 1, let's look at verse 21. So I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, and it says this. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness... And all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So here James is instructing the believers to take in God's word, to ingest it, to hear it. So they may not have had you know, manuscripts or anything like that back then, but he's saying, The word of the gospel that you have heard, take it in, soak it in, let it sink into your hearts and minds, but don't let it stop there. James encourages believers to be doers of the word as well, to take the word that you've heard and start to incorporate it into your lives each and every day. Okay? So we need to then act as people who are saved. It's good for us to receive God's word because verse 21 says that it brings salvation to us. But we need to go beyond that and we need to then take those next steps and start doing the word. To live it out in our everyday lives. Because God's word has great instructions for us. It gives us a path. And we need to abide in it and live it out in our everyday lives. So he's kind of saying, don't just sit there and ingest it. And I think if he were writing it today, he might say something like this. Be like Nike and just do it. Right? I think so that would be the the Mitch Message version or something like that. So but to help clarify this for us, James then goes on and he gives us an analogy of a mirror. Okay, he talks about a man who looks in a mirror and he compares spending time in God's word with looking into a mirror. Okay, so now we arrive at why in the world Pastor Mitch has mirrors up on the stage. It's not because I want you to get the 360 view of Pastor Mitch as he preaches. So I apologize to the people in the middle section because you're probably getting a double glare off my head and then the mirrors as well. Right? So I do apologize. I was trying to strategically place them, but these things happen. Now, I'm not going to look at anyone as I say this, but most of us seem to have used a mirror this morning as we got ready for church. I'm not making any eye contact, but most of us used a mirror today as we got ready for church, right? But we use a mirror to get a reflection of who we are, of what we look like, okay? So we look at a mirror and we might try to make sure that our hair looks all right. Obviously, it doesn't take me as long as it used to, okay? But... For many of us it might take us a long time and you know we get it just right. We're looking and oh that one just doesn't quite go right. Okay. Seriously. I have you know, I was talking to so I got my hair cut yesterday and I said, Is there anything we can do? Because I feel like I've got this beveled look where you know I've almost got the Ed Grimley look, but going to the side, can we do anything about that? So and I try really hard. Anyway. So back to what James is telling us. So we can look in the mirror and we can make sure that we're looking all right. We can make sure that our clothes are, you know, just the way that we want them to be. We can make sure that for ladies, your makeup is just right. You know, the you don't have just you don't have too much eyeshadow, but you've got just the right makes you give that smoky look. Okay? <laughs> That was better than I thought it would be. (laughs) I love when that happens. Okay? Or as a teenager, so I'm probably the only one who would do this, but as a teenager, I'd look in the mirror and be like, oh, i got to get rid of that white head. You know, like pop it, get that that thing gone. Okay, still do it. All right. But we look at our appearance, right? We look and make sure that everything is just right and then we can walk away and say i look good i look good today we inspect it we make any changes that we need to we spend time in it to get a reflection and a v- visual of who we are right we we kind of get we try to get the full view so that we can present who we are in a favorable way now those are things that are more visible to others but i think we can also inspect ourselves in the mirror, and we can see things that we're not letting anyone else see, okay? But I'm going to confess, I do some of those things as well. I'll look in the mirror and try to see, are my abs coming back, okay? They kind of went away a little bit, trying to get them back, you know, or unfortunately, it tells me that I have a little bit of a love handle here and there, Uh, age, stinks. So (laughs) when James writes these words, he's giving us this picture that we can use to kind of help us with respect to God's word. Now, here's an interesting thing to note, or I think it's kind of interesting, that when James was writing this, mirrors were not that readily available. Okay? So think about it. In first century, he's writing to believers. It's not like they could just walk home from the temple and pick one up, you know, so that they could set it up when they got home. It's not that they could go to Walmart, um, you know, or, you know, Donkey Mart or whatever it would be to pick it up. It was something that they would have to, they would intently go and seek out. I mean... You know, I've got to find a mirror. You know, I feel like my hair is all out of whack today. i got to make sure that it looks okay. So you might have to travel quite a ways to find a mirror. So when James is telling this analogy to the readers and writing this out, he says that a man who looks in a mirror and then walks away, who immediately forgets what he looks like, that would be absolutely ridiculous. Why would you do that? If you are needing to seek out a mirror and look and make sure that everything is all right, and then you kind of just forget. And, oh, I've got blonde hair. I don't know. You know, or where did that belt come from? You know, you wouldn't do that. And so as James is telling us about being doers of the word, he's using this analogy. And those people would take time in front of the mirror. They would look at their appearance. They would make sure that everything was just right, just as we do today. And they would take in each aspect of how they looked to make sure that they were presenting their best. And I think we do this today as well, right? When we look in a mirror, we're trying to get all of that set. But by no means would that person, especially back then, take a quick glance, rush off, and forget about how their appearance was. So then he brings it back to our handling of God's word and he encourages us to look intently at God's word. He's telling us to become a doer of it and in essence, we're holding up the mirror of God's word against our life. We're we're using the word of God as a mirror for our lives to see how things are. So We inspect every area of our lives then through the word of God. We get engaged in what God's word says, inspecting it and analyzing it. And it might be that we just have to approach it with the question, what does God's word say about subject X and how is our life reflecting God's word in that area? So if we compare our handling of God's word to the mirror analogy, it's not enough for us. To just read or hear or observe the word of God. We can't just sit back, look in the mirror and say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, Jesus loves me. Right? We can't just go around doing that. It may feel good that, yes, I know Jesus loves me, and those are truths that we need to hold on to. I agree with that. But we can't just think of it as a duty. We can't just think of it as something that we need to cross off our checklist. It's something that we need to read and hear and observe God's word and see if everything is in order in our lives. And there are going to be different things that get revealed to you from time to time. If you've read the word several times, sometimes you come across a passage and you're like, where did that come from? I have never in my life ever read that even though you've read it probably 30 times or however much. But we come and we need to take the word of God as that mirror and we need to say, is my life lining up with what God says? So if I read practical instructions on Christian life, am I living that way? Am I living the way it's telling me to? Or do I need to do something different? Do I need to make a change? Do I need to become a doer of God's word in that area? because here's the deal as believers excuse me we are to reflect the image of God turn to second corinthians chapter 3 we're going to look at second corinthians 3:16 now here's one of those things i've read these verses many times in my life and as i came across this again in in just the last little bit i kind of had this new picture, this new idea, this new um, word play as far as how this plays out. 2 Corinthians 3.16, and I love how God's word continues to speak to us even after 2,000 or plus years, right? We can find new things every day that we can use in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says this, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Okay? So here the apostle Paul is talking about a spiritual veil that can keep us from fully recognizing the truth of the gospel. Okay? It's one that exists before we come to Jesus. So again, verse 16, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18. But we all With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into his same image. I think that's pretty exciting. We are being changed. Those things that we look at and we say, Ugh, how do I fix that? God comes along and he's starting to change and transform and shape us into his image, little by little. And when we decide to follow Christ, it's at that moment that the transformation process begins. It's like extreme life makeover edition, right? God comes in when we accept his grace and his unconditional love, when we surrender our lives to him, He begins a process where he changes me from the old, selfish, nasty me to the new life in Christ, one that begins to take on a resemblance of him, right? So he starts the process of out with the old and in with the new. Let's bring in the new. Let's start to do it little by little. And I think that is an incredible thing that even, so I've been in the church my whole life, like, Before I was born, I was in the church, okay? But God is still transforming me. There are things in my life that I need to get right. There are things that I need to keep tweaking and fixing and working on to become the best resemblance and image of Christ possible. Because when I look in the mirror of God's Word, I want to behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord. That it's no longer me that I'm looking at, but it is God shining through me. That he's working in me. And that, I hope, is one of our goals. Now, you may be sitting there today and you may be saying, but I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to reflecting him. There is no way that my life is an image or a reflection of him. And I know that we can feel like that from time to time. Like, I'll look in the mirror and sometimes say, ugh, I'm an ugly Jesus. You know? Right? Like, there's things in my life that are just not right, and I need to get them better. But I also can know and believe that he's at work in us. Okay? I heard Pastor Stephen Furtick from a church in North Carolina, priest recently, and this is the negative truth that he said. He said, this may take a while. Okay? When he's in reference to the things that go on in our lives, he said, this may take a while. Often we want things to be like that. You know, it's, it's like, well, I can tweet it real quick. Why can't it just happen in my life real quick? And it, we have to come to the realization Sometimes and remind ourselves This may take a while And that doesn't mean that you are ugly jesus It just means That god's doing a work in you That he has started a work in you the transformation is beginning But a lot of times We need to remember that It doesn't happen overnight all the time now God may deliver you from different struggles that you have miraculously and suddenly. But there's also going to be a time where it's a process that he walks you through. It might just be that he's wanting to build character in you as you overcome that struggle. But here's, I think, going back to James, start doing what you know is right. Start doing what the things that God is revealing to you. Start planting those seeds of good habits and godly discipline in your life. Start putting into practice the things that God reveals to you. And I think God's dealing with each one of us individually on different levels. Whether you've been saved for one week, one year, for 50 years, God is still at work in your life. And I think we need to keep up on those disciplines. So whatever God's calling you to do, whatever you read in his word and you say, I need to start reflecting that, start doing it. Start doing it. You know, be like Nike and just do it. And don't give up after just a couple days. Okay? So maybe today you say, I like what's being said. Pastor Mitch is really wise. Okay, maybe not. But I'm going to take some time and I'm going to read a chapter from my Bible every day. And I'm going to see what God has to tell me for that day. Okay? So you make that in your heart today. You go home, you do that. And you're like, oh, okay. Monday you do it. I did it. Okay. And Tuesday you're like, I'm done. This just is not working out for me. Okay? Give it a chance. You know, they say that it takes 21 days for a habit to set in. It's going to take a while. And sometimes you're not going to get things out of God's word, or it may not seem like it. But then all of a sudden, whatever you read earlier in the day, God's going to bring to your mind later on when that comes up at work or school or when you're taking care of kids or parents or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's going to be, oh, that's why I read that. God, through his Holy Spirit, is going to bring these things into your mind. So let's look back at 2 Corinthians 3.18, because I think I need to point out another item. So this verse says, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So as we've been talking about the importance of abiding with Christ, and that one of the essential ways to do that is through the discipline of reading God's word, I think it's important to note that God's word should be our basis for our thoughts and our actions, right? So here's another reason why we need to get in the Word and we need to be doers of the Word. We need to have this as our basis, our foundation for everything that we think and do. Because if not, we begin to have a distorted view on life, okay? So we're going to flash up a picture here because if we look at ourselves in a mirror like that, if we have a wrong mirror, it's going to be a little distorted. The big guy's got long legs when he's really kind of a short guy. Right? Okay? So, we can look in a wrong direction and things are distorted. Okay? So, we need to have the basis of God's Word in our lives so that we have the right view. So I can look appropriately and say, this is where my life needs to be. Here's how I need to fix it. I need to get that hair of my life in the right place. Okay? Yes, the single hair. Okay? But if we don't get engaged in God's word, other influences will cause our view of God to be distorted. And I don't think it stops there. I think we can have a twisted or misshapen view of ourselves as well. If we're not looking at God's word, our general worldview will tend to be distorted because we have all these other influences trying to speak into our lives and we get off track, we get derailed. So especially as believers, we need to have our foundation on God and his word. Because how can we reflect him if we don't even bother to look at, know what he looks like? How can we reflect him if we don't take the no time to know what we should do or what his heart desires? In order to behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord, we need to understand what he is like and what's in his word. So then we can hold this up in an accurate way and see that we are either in line with God's word or we have some slight tweaking or we've got a hot mess to deal with. So when you read God's word, I encourage you to hold it up like a mirror. What is God revealing to you about himself or about how you should live your life? And I believe both are important. I believe it's important to know who God is through his word. And I believe it's important for us to know how we need to respond through God's word. Because this helps us when we are trying to figure out who God is and what his character is like. It helps us to put our trust in him more and more in each and every situation. When we get a clear picture of who God is, that helps us to walk by faith and say, okay, I recognize who God is. I realize that God is helping me in this situation. And there are days that we need to remember these things because I'm forgetful, and sometimes I need those reminders of who God is and different aspects of his character because on some days I need to know that he is the God that heals us. There are other days I need to know that he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, There are other days that I just need to remember that he is my savior and my redeemer, that he is above all else, that he is the God who sees all and is in all. Sometimes I need to remember that in the beginning was the word and the word Jesus was with God and the word was God. I need to remember his eternal nature, knowing that he's got it from the beginning of our time till the end of our time and that he sees everything that I deal with. I need to remember that he works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose, that he is working things out. We need those reminders from time to time, and we'll see that in God's word as we read whatever we're reading, whether it's Psalms or Ecclesiastes or maybe somehow you'll find something in the book of Numbers. I don't know, but God is going to speak to you in some way. And there are things and times that I need to be reminded of as I pour over his word and what he's trying to tell me, maybe for that day, maybe for that season of life, maybe for the next moment. And then as far as how we should live our life, we can hold up the mirror to see ourselves how we're doing with that particular item. We can look at God's mirror and say, I'm looking okay in that area. And we're not saying that in a prideful way, but we're saying, you know what? I'm endeavoring to do this. And I I think that, not that I've got it mastered or tackled, but I'm doing okay. I'm going to keep trying to work in that area. But there's also other areas that we might be a little ashamed with that we struggle with something, and we're kind of like, this drives me nuts. I don't want to struggle with it, but I do. And as you read, that gets pointed out, and you're kind of, man, why did you have to go there? And you may find out that you're not up to par in a certain area, but please know that when you come across these things, yeah, you may have that twinge of, ugh. But the Holy Spirit is not there to condemn you about it. Isn't that incredible? Because most of us would be like, you're nasty, right? You do bad things. But God is, through his Holy Spirit, just speaking to us and saying, it's okay. Yes, you struggle in that area. I recognize that. I know that. I'm not just pushing that to the side. But I know you can do better. In a sense, he, as you read and he reveals these things to him or reveals these things to you, he kind of holds up his pom-poms and starts cheering you on. You can do this. You can do this. Right? He's encouraging us. He's not condemning us. He wants us to walk with him and grow closer. So who likes it when someone condemns you? Do you want to draw close to them? No. Usually you walk in the other room or something like that or walk out of the house. And I'm not dealing with that. But the Holy Spirit instead, yes, it can be a twinge and it can be a... But at the same time, he's saying, I know you can do this. I want you to do this. I want you to get better in this area. And so, then we can respond and keep striving to do what is right. Even if we stumble and sin in an area, we can get up and keep pressing on to do what is right. So let me try to just provide a little bit of an example of how you might go about this with respect to God's word. Now, I will freely admit that during the last couple months of, of 2014, I was having one of those periods where my Bible reading did not seem especially fruitful. Okay, Health issues kind of de- derail from time to time, and I just kind of wanted to feel better and not really read anything. So I knew that I was not allowing God's Word to speak to me and be a mirror for my life. But as I got to the end and and start feeling up to it, I kind of wanted to, I had this recurring thought, I want to get back into the word. I want to really get something out of it. I want God to speak to me through his word. So as I started 2015, I really just wanted to abide in Christ and hear what he was saying to me in his word. And so I, was, I took some tips from the Live Dead Journal as, we, uh, as I started off, kind of to help me with this and maybe refocus me in a different way. And it, it, one way the writer suggested was to read a few chapters from an Old Testament book, and then a psalm, a chapter from a gospel, and then a chapter from a New Testament epistle. Try to just get a broad base of what God is speaking. And so then I would just jot down some thoughts from what I'd read. So I started by reading Nehemiah, Psalms, uh, Matthew, and Romans. And I would really try to be attentive to, to what God was speaking and, and what I was reading. And sometimes I still will read through several verses and it's just not hitting me. But then all of a sudden, God will kind of like, it's like blazing neon lights um, as I'm reading, saying, here's the verse for you today. Okay, here's what I want you to get out of today. And it, And it's amazing because it may be a whole verse, it may be just a phrase. But as I did that, I found that on some of those days, I would catch a better glimpse of what God is up to. On some days, I would see that there's a mirror that I need to hold up, and I need to really assess where I'm at, okay? So let me talk through this. So on a particular day, I read through a bunch of chapters, and it seemed like, so I was reading in Nehemiah, I read a a psalm, I read a chapter in Matthew, and I read a chapter in Romans. And it was amazing on that day that there was like a common theme over that variety of scripture. And sometimes I'm just amazed at how God intertwines everything. And on some days it's like that was just for me on that day. And so on that day I was struck by the powerful hand of God. That even when circumstances were stacked against his people, he was working things out. And I, I guess I needed that reminder that he's working things out in our lives. So even when everything is up against you and you don't have, like, any hope, I was reminded in Psalms specifically that day, put your hope in God. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. I needed to be reminded, just put my trust in him again to keep my eyes set on him. keep them focused on him and as i continue to seek him here's another section that i saw as i continue to seek him he will put me exactly in the right place where i need to be at the right time for whatever purpose needs to be accomplished and sometimes we need those thoughts and reminders right or on another day i read in matthew 6 26 where jesus says look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap Or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I was reminded in simplistic form God loves me a ton. God loves me a ton. And there was another thing that tied in that He loves me so much, and it's on a spiritual level. But here this verse reminded me that it's not just the spiritual side, the inside that he's always concerned about. He also sees that I need things each and every day, that I need food, I need shelter, I need clothing. Here in Wisconsin, I need warmth, okay? Because it gets cold out there, unless you leave for Mexico. Um, So I can give him thanks for his provision for what I have here. Or on another day, actually just last Sunday I was reading through Ezra, and Ezra 3.3 says these words, and you'll think, well, those are kind of strange, but let me get there. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices. Now this was one of those mirror moments for me because I needed or what I did first was I noticed that the people of Judah had fear about doing the Lord's work. They feared the people around them and what they were going to do. But in spite of that, they proceeded to worship God through their daily sacrifices. And so I had to look at my own life. I had to take a a check and say, am I allowing fear to paralyze me from what God is calling me to do? And then I had to go and say, what are some of those areas or what are some of those ways that I need to step out in faith despite my fear? And I thought, what a helpful example that there were people in the past that went through something like that as well, that had that fear, but they were able to move past it and see what God would do through them. Lastly, let me me share one more mirror moment. And earlier this week, I came across Romans 8, Verse 5 in my reading, Paul writes, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And here I had just that moment where I'm reading that and I just said, God, I want to recommit myself to be in line with your Spirit. I know that I'm not always. I know that my flesh sometimes can get the best of me but I want to try to do what your spirit desires. And I realize that this is not just a daily choice because I can say in the morning, God, I want to do what you want. And 20 minutes later, I'm doing something stupid, right? And so I realize that moment by moment, I need to be saying, God, I want to do what your spirit desires. I want to do what your spirit is leading me to. And sometimes we need to be saying that over and over again. Just as God is speaking to us. Now, please know that I'm not trying to share these things to say, look at me, look at Pastor Mitch, look at what he, you know, the epiphany that he's had. It's not deep thoughts from Pastor Mitch. Okay? Instead, my hope is that we can see the significant importance of abiding with Christ. And one way that we can do that is through his word his written word that he has given to us, that we can take, we can ingest. We can soak it in, but beyond that, we can start to do. We can start to apply it in our lives. Because I want to do better at abiding in Christ. I've got a long way to go, but I want to do better at abiding with Christ. And I hope that you want to do better as well. Wherever you're at in your walk with Christ, my hope and my prayer is that we all want to know him better and better and better so that... When I look in the mirror, I can reflect his image better and better and better. That it is more the image of him than it is me and my flesh. That, and that ultimately, it's not for my glory. It's not for your glory. It's not for anyone to be exalted except for Jesus. And that as he's transforming our lives we begin, as Dick Brogdon said, to bless those around us and that ultimately it can bless the world. And we don't know how that will happen and you may say, you know what, I'm not called to go anywhere else. You're right. But God will use you right where you're at each and every day. And I think that ultimately our goal is this, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 said, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you, first and foremost, that you are God. We thank you that you are above all things. And Lord, we thank you so much For your word that you have given to us, that we can hear, that we can read, that we can take in, and that there is such powerful truth in it, that it can guide our lives and how we live. Lord, I thank you that through your word we can recognize who you are in a greater way. We can see that you are the one who provides for all of our needs. We can see that you are the one who can heal us in the midst of our, our sickness, that you are the one who can provide for us in the midst of our financial turmoil. And, and you don't stop there, but you give us guidance on how we can begin to reflect you in a better way. And so, Lord, we just pray right now that you would help us to become people of your word people who abide in you people who just spend time with you because we want to further our relationship with you we want to grow closer to you and continue to walk with you each and every day I thank you for every heart and life in this place I pray that this would just be something that we take in and we we commit to doing is to spending time with you. One of the ways is through reading your word. Lord, I pray that we would just abide in you so that you would abide in us and that we can then behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord and we can see that we are being transformed into your image. Lord, we just thank you for that work that you're doing in each one of our lives. We thank you for those that raise their hands. And I pray that you would just continue to speak in our lives. Continue to help us to abide in you. We Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would be with us as we go from here. May we just walk in your presence each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray.